doxology of the Lord's Prayer reads, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And a brief explanation of it we find in Lord's Day 52, questions and answers 128 and 129. How dost thou conclude thy prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee because thou being our king and almighty are willing and able to give us our good. And all this we pray for, that thereby, not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. What does the word Amen signify? Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. A beautiful, beloved, is the whole Lord's Prayer from beginning to end. And beautiful and very, very comforting, I think, is the conclusion of this prayer. And that which is called uh, the adoration or the doxology. Uh, this is especially the case if we at once connect uh, this doxology of the Lord's Prayer with the address. Uh, the address is our Father our Father, who art in heaven. And if we connect this doxology with the address, you have this, of course. Our Father in heaven, thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, Thine is the glory forever. How rich we are when that prayer is in our hearts and on our lips. How beyond all imagination, beyond all earthly imagination, rich 
is the people of God. Therefore, who is their father for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord? Their father who loves them, who eternally did love them. Their father who revealed that love of them in the giving over of his only begotten son in the cross. He has the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He has the kingdom. Not a kingdom, but that kingdom. There is no kingdom besides it. He has the power. There is no power in heaven, on earth, or in hell besides his power. His is all glory. There is no glory besides the glory of our Father in heaven. How rich we are. How comforted we are in the midst of this world, in the midst of this present death, in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this darkness, to know that God our Father has all the power and all the authority and all the rule and all the dominion and all the glory so that certainly nothing can ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's look at this doxology from that point of view, beloved. When we speak on the adoration or the conclusion or the doxology of the Lord's Prayer. First of all, consider it as it really is, an adoration. In the second place, consider it as it also really is, a reason for a prayer. And thirdly, as it again really is, a ground of assurance that our prayer shall surely be heard. We must remember, beloved, that we can look at uh, this Lord's Day and at this doxology from a threefold point of view. It is, of course, in the narrowest sense, connected with the preceding petition immediately. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For 
Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In that sixth petition, we acknowledged that the Lord our God has power over all evil, so that we cannot even be led into temptation except by his power and his will. And therefore, in this doxology, we confess that truth and say, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In the second place, however, we can also connect this doxology with the entire prayer, as it is, in fact, and say, we pray, as the, the Catechism explains it here too, we pray this, we pray exactly this, because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's also evident from the conjunction of this doxology, for, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And as far as the Catechism is concerned, we also may look upon this Lord's Day and this doxology as a most beautiful conclusion of uh, the entire Catechism. Beautiful conclusion. Beloved, the Catechism began uh, by calling our attention to the only comfort in life and death. And that only comfort, the only comfort in life and death is that we are not alone, but belong to our faithful Savior Jesus Christ. And there uh, we already confessed uh, that if we belong to him, he will uh, so keep us and so protect us uh, that not a hair can fall from our head, but by the will of our Heavenly Father. It is very evident uh, that the conclusion of the entire catechism is closely linked up with its beginning in this doxology of the Lord's Prayer, so that it is a most beautiful climax and a most beautiful conclusion, and so that we can even link that up directly and say, nothing can ever befall Nothing can ever be tied. Not a hair can fall from our head, but by the will of our Heavenly Father, because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is true, because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's the category. We say that this doxology is in the first place an adoration, which of course it is. 
Adoration means an expression of glory, an expression uh, that we glorify the object of our adoration. In this case, God, the triune God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, that's adoration. And adoration implies, beloved, as far as we are concerned, as far as the people of God are concerned, it implies, first of all, a consciousness of uh, the, the adorable virtues of God. We must have a consciousness that God is good, that God is love, that God is powerful, that God has authority, that God has dominion, that God has strength, that God therefore is glorious. Otherwise, this doxology is empty as far as we are concerned. In this doxology, we adore God. And uh, we adore not a man, we adore not a creature, we adore not an angel, we adore God. And therefore, the adoration must be unique, exclusive. The adoration of God may not be mixed with the adoration of any creature, man, angel, or any other creature. God only must be adored. That's the idea. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Without the creature sharing in this at all, all belongs to God. That first of all. And, beloved, the deeper we feel this, the more conscious we are of it, the clearer our consciousness is of uh, these virtues of God the fact that God is powerful, loving, that he has the authority and the dominion and the glory, the more we can consciously and clearly express this adoration. That's clear, isn't it? The more we are filled with the consciousness of the virtues of God, the more we can clearly express this doxology, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, beloved, for that reason, it is also necessary that we are always and again instructed in the truth. So that our prayer, which is the highest expression of thankfulness, so that our prayer may become more and more conscious and real to us, to our consciousness. 
That ought to be plain. We must have the pure preaching of the word. Nothing else. And that preaching of the word must always be concentrated only around God. God in Christ Jesus. That's the only gospel. Must never be concentrated entirely or partly or 50% or 75% or 99% about man. That's not the gospel. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever. Only. And then we can adore God. Then we can have a foretaste. Foretaste of the eternal rest that shall really consist in nothing else than that we adore God forevermore in his tabernacle. Otherwise we cannot. God has a foretaste of that today, beloved. God has a foretaste of the eternal rest today in our hearts and minds that we may be comforted. That is the idea of adoration. Now, of course, in the second place, that adoration means that we not only uh, have the consciousness of those virtues of God in our hearts and minds, but also that we say them, we express them. We express them in word. Really, we cannot do anything for God. Nothing. Nothing. All this nonsense of the activity of faith and so on and so forth, beloved, is really downright modernism. You must have God. God. Don't you see? Oh, I feel that more and more the older I get. That's what we must have. That's what you must have. You must not have man. You must not have the activity of man. Nothing. God. And therefore, you must remember that all we can do is not to do anything for God. God is all sufficient. He doesn't have any need of us. We have need of him. That's all it. God is God. But all we can do, beloved, is adore him and say so to his face. That's all. That's what he was. He was nothing else. He was nothing else. He wants nothing else than that his people say to him, Oh, how we see thy beauty, thy glory, thy power, thy love, and express it before him and express it before one another. You must do that too. And the communion of saints. So that his glory may be shown forth in our speech. That is why, uh, not uh, activity of faith, but prayer is the highest expression of thankfulness, according to the Catechism. That's so. That's true. Well, as far as the terms are concerned, you can easily understand them. 
dined there three times. Uh, they are really all one. And they really cover the whole thing too. Cover all that is to be adored of God. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. We could say, thine is the kingdom. Therefore, thine is the power and must be the power. And therefore, thine is the glory forever. The kingdom, of course, may mean two things. And do mean two things. Does mean two things in this connection. It may refer to the domain, the domain over which God rules. That the domain is the whole universe, of course, the whole creation. The whole creation is God's kingdom. Heaven, earth, hell, light, darkness, good, evil, all is God's kingdom. All sin. Death, sin, corruption, it's all God's kingdom. In the sense that it belongs to his domain. He has dominion over all. And in that domain of God, we can distinguish with a threefold distinction. First of all, in that domain of God, there are creatures that are subject to the will of God without their will, without their will. Sun, moon, stars, animals, trees, flowers, seas, oceans, rivers, they all belong to the domain of God, but God rules over them without their will. Secondly, there are creatures over whom God's domain rules against their will. Devils, wicked men, all the powers of darkness together, they are strictly under the dominion of God. We look at them, and that's our comfort, beloved. We look at them, and we say, Thine is the kingdom, not the, not the devil. The devil has nothing to say, nothing. He thinks they are, but I haven't. Not the wicked man. Beloved, may I just, uh, in parentheses, uh, say this also in regard to our present situation. Uh, the enemies of the truth, as has now become very, very clear, that there are enemies of the Protestant reform too, becomes more clear right along. No question about it. Uh, the enemies of the truth are under God's domain. Also, this entire history, all that we have experienced, no matter how bitter, because bitter it is, of course, bitter to me and bitter to you. I don't enjoy this. Don't ever think I do. I don't. To think I enjoy, although I said 25 years ago that this would happen, that I enjoy this experience, I do not. But I can see nevertheless, I can see. When I confess this, that also this entire history that is being enacted now is 
God's dominion. Thine is the kingdom. I can see it. I can see it. That's all for, for the good of his cause and for our good. That's all. No question about that. To my mind, never was, and that should not be to yours. Should never be the question. Uh, that uh, all this business is God's business and not ours. Nothing. Okay. If you cannot say that, beloved, if you cannot say that, you better get on your knees until you can't say it. And if after all you cannot say it, you better not be with us. That's all. And thirdly, the dominion of God is a dominion in which he rules with the will of the creature, by his grace. He taught that in his angels, the good angels, and his church, his people. He gives grace to his people to say, thy will be done, and therefore the domain of God is also over them as a domain of grace. But you could also uh, say that uh, thine is the kingdom means uh, uh, thine is all the authority, not the domain as such over which God rules, but God is all the authority. No one has any authority but he. He has, he has the right to rule. That's also implied in this expression. Thine is the kingdom. Strength, power, Power, of course, is strength. Strength. Thine is the power in connection with the kingdom. That means thine is the ability to maintain thy kingdom. God maintains his kingdom. Remember that too, beloved. It's all to our comfort. Remember that. God. Uh, God's is the power. He has uh, power of arm. Oh, he has his physical power, his spiritual power, his power of mind, and power of will, his power of authority, power to maintain his authority. It's all power. God is powerful. But listen, God is not only powerful, we do not say that. We do not say God's is a dominion, a kingdom, and God's is power. No, we say God's is the kingdom. God's is the power. That means, of course, there is no power except the power of God. No power. Our Father, our Father in Jesus Christ, who loves us from before the foundation of the world, of the world and who revealed his love to us in the death of his Son, our Father who art in heaven, thine is the power. 
God never fights. He doesn't fight. Never does. God is always a rest, beloved, because all the power is His. He always rests. His is all the power. His is the power of His own being, of His own will, of His own mind, of His own nature. His is the power of His own love. But His is also the power of the creatures. We have no power except the power of God. God has revealed his power in bestowing power upon the creature. His is the power of man. His is the power of the sun and the moon and the stars. His is the power of the seas and the rivers, electricity, radio, television. His is the power of all things. That's his power. His is the power of the devil and of all the wicked. So that God never fights. God never fights. If, as I said before long ago, if God doesn't want the devil to act anymore, he simply drops him. He drops him. He doesn't fight the devil. That's to fight, beloved, to fight is beyond God's dignity, beyond God's divine dignity. He never fights. And therefore, God is rest because his is all the power. And the glory, the glory, glory, God is glory. Glory means, beloved, that God is good. Is infinitely good. Is the implication of all goodness, the implication of all virtues, the implication of our righteousness, holiness, love, mercy, truth, grace. Infinitely, infinitely filled with all these virtues, God is. The implication of all these virtues, that is God. Implication of our power, strength, authority. Uh, in one word, God is good. He's the only good. As the Lord said, Why callest thou me good? There's only one good. That is God. God is good. Well, when God reveals that goodness in all his works, especially when he revealed his goodness, that means his love, his mercy, his grace, his power, his strength, his authority in Christ Jesus, beloved. In the fact that he gave his only begotten son for his people, that they might have eternal life through his death. In the fact that God raised him up from the dead, that he quickened the dead in Christ Jesus which is a greater revelation of his goodness and power and all his virtues than creation was. In that revelation in Christ Jesus, God shows all his goodness. And therefore, the radiation of all these virtues of God is his glory. 
just as the radiation of the sun is the glory of the sun, so the revelation of God is the glory of God. That's glory. And we see his glory. We see his glory. We see his glory. Oh, we see his glory in all the works of his hand, provided we behold all those works in the light of Christ Jesus. Then we see his glory that too. But simply, we always see his glory in the gospel. Christ, the incarnated Son of God, who died, who was raised, who was exalted, that's right, and who will come again. Christ is the revelation of the glory of God. And looking at Christ, looking at the gospel, and at the same time, therefore, having comfort in our hearts that God is our Father, we say, our Father art in heaven, thine is the glory. Forever, only. Shall we say that? Beloved, I said in my prayer, I pray with you that God might make us say, our Father in heaven, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I, I pray with you that the preaching of the gospel might have that effect, that you say this in your heart and to one another. Now, can you say it, say a little bit? Oh, I know, the flesh is weak. It's not easy to always get to that height of faith, which is expressed in the end of the eighth chapter of the Romans. Certainly not easy to stand on the mountaintops of faith. I don't either. Oh, I don't. I don't any more than you do. But pray. Uh, shall we say that just a little bit? No, that's not right, Adam. Shall we say it completely but in principle? So that that principle of the new life within us through the preaching of the word this morning dominates and you say from that principle of the new life get away devil get away sin get away flesh God is the glory thine our father in heaven is the kingdom the power and the glory forever That ought to be the effect of the preaching this morning. Always, but especially this morning. And then notice, notice that little conjunction for, very significant. For, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The Catechism explains that as meaning uh, for, we pray. We pray because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's why we pray at all, and that's why we pray as we did. That beautiful. 
And therefore, we pray, says Albert Kerrigan, not because principally we, we want something. Oh, that too, sure. We want something when we pray. We ask for something. But uh, that what we ask for is, after all, always God. God's grace, God's mercy, God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, and so on and so forth. Always. That's the Christian prayer. And that's the Albert Kerrigan says that too. That thy name may forevermore be praised and glorified. That's the, that's the uh, contents, that's the purpose, that's the meaning of all prayer. Beloved, prayer is never carnal. Have we, have we learned that, beloved? Have we really learned that already? I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder whether after all we have learned that or not. I sometimes wonder whether our prayers, after all, are not uh, often motivated by our own carnal things and desires. No matter what, no matter what. I believe I told you before, in Holland I had a, had a lady uh, that uh, was always sickly never came to church. And at the, in those years in Holland, as long as I was in Holland, I typed out all my sermons completely. And I gave, it to the, gave them to the sick, especially to those that were sick constantly, never came to church. And then at the same time, I had something to talk about with them, and I did. And uh, she had a brother living in Holland who was wicked. He was uh, ungodly, who didn't believe. And she told me that she always prayed for that brother. I asked her what she did pray for. She told me that she always prayed for his conversion, that he might be converted. I tried to teach her that even that prayer must be uh, the prayer for the will of God. I said, you don't know whether God wants to convert him. You cannot pray for that, except you say, thy will be done. And I once uh, gave her the sermon on that petition of the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I tried to instruct her, especially in connection with the uh, uh, conversion of the brother. I told her again and again, you must always say, Thy will be done. She said, oh yes, don't I? I, I always do that. Yet I felt she didn't. I felt she didn't. I felt, uh, after all, when she said, thy will be done, she nevertheless said in her heart, my will be done. What happened? That brother of hers worked at the Interurban at the time that ran from Grand Lapis to Holland. And on a certain morning, I read in the Holland paper that he was killed between two cars without any a chance, so to speak, uh, that he was converted. I went immediately to that lady, called on her, and uh, I asked her whether she still said, Thy will be done. 
Now the will of God was revealed, so clearly revealed. She was all upset. She didn't mean that. She didn't mean thy will be done. She always had prayed, my will be done. It took a long, long time before she had peace of mind again. Beloved, is that your attitude maybe? Examine yourself. You have boys in the service empty. What do you pray for? You pray, please let those boys return. Don't misunderstand me. I hope too that your boys may return. I hope that. That's not the question. The question is, do you pray for that? You say to God, you say to God, uh, my boy must return, my, my boy. You say that? Uh, you you say that and uh, uh, probably uh, say with your lips, uh, but uh, thy will be done. Test that once, beloved. Test that once. Say once to the Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I know that if it is thy will, my boy shall return. I know too if it is not thy will, my boy, I shall never see my boys again. And therefore, O Lord, whether or not, I still pray thy will be done. Can you do that? You are in sickness and trouble and distress. In the midst of this present death, of course, we always are. Maybe you have TB, maybe you have cancer, I don't know. Uh, can you really say from the heart, Our Father who art in heaven, thine is the kingdom, not mine. Thine is the power, thine is the glory forever. Thy will be done, not mine. How about it? That's prayer. That's prayer. That's prayer for all things. That's what? That's why we pray. That's why we pray. For, for, thine is the kingdom, our Father in heaven. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For, that is, we pray, we pray as we did pray. How did we pray? We prayed, first of all, for God's cause, didn't we? Not for our cause. We prayed, hallowed be thy name. That was first. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's half of the prayer finished. We pray, beloved, give us this day our daily bread. And if I have no more, I'm satisfied. That's what we pray. If I have no more, then my bread for this day, all is well. I'm satisfied. I go to sleep without trouble. I pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, the forgiveness of sin. And we forgive one another, don't we? As we forgive one another. That's what we pray. We pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what we pray, for sanctification. Why? Why did we pray thus? Why did, not, we, did we not pray, O oh Lord, give us peace in time of war? Give us health in time of sickness. Give us conversion of my children. Why? Why did, not, did we not pray for anything like it? 
Why did, did we pray for God's cause throughout? Because thine is the kingdom, our Father in heaven. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Leave it all to thee. I'm satisfied. I have peace. The peace that passeth all understanding. That must be the result of a prayer. The result, the fruit of a prayer must be, beloved, that we can say, I have the peace that passeth all understanding. Otherwise our prayer was no good. Then we can say, Amen. Amen. Then only, Amen is a Hebrew word that also occurs in the Greek, although even in the Greek it's a translation from the Hebrew. It means, really beloved, firm as a rock. That's Amen. Firm as a rock. I dare say, Amen means firm as God is firm. That's Amen. God is the Amen. And Christ is the Amen. And all the promises of God are yea and Amen in Christ Jesus. Firm, firm as God is firm. That's Amen. And when at the end of my prayer I say, Amen. I do not mean now the prayer is finished. That's a sign that I'm through. But I mean, beloved, objectively, God will surely hear my prayer. I'm sure of that. Amen. God is firm, more firm than in a rock. My prayer is firm because it stands on that rock, the rock of the truth. And that God will hear my prayer is also firm as a rock. No question about it. And don't forget, that does not mean, as is always said, often in certain circles, oh, if God does not give what I ask for, he'll give me something else. Or, it means, beloved, if our prayer is right, and if our prayer is according to the will of God, and according to his word, which it must be, then God, then I know, I know, that my prayer will surely be heard just as I asked for it, not something else. That's what it means. That's objectively. Subjectively, all oh, the catechism expresses that so beautifully, I think. Subjectively, it means that I feel in my heart that God will hear my prayer. But he will 
hear my prayer and give me my petition much more surely than I feel in my heart uh, that I desire such a thing of him. Oh, that beautiful. That's so thoroughly Christian, that is, that's so thoroughly expressive of the Christian in this world. Oh, I desire principally, hallowed be thy name. But do I feel in my heart, perhaps, that I mean something else? I pray thy kingdom come. Do I probably feel in my heart that there's something else there that uh, I want rather? I feel in my heart thy will be done and so on and so forth in the Lord's prayer, beloved. But isn't it true? Isn't it true that in the light of all these perfect prayer which the Lord teaches us to pray, we must certainly say, oh, I don't feel quite sure that I desire these things of him. Maybe I desire something else. Not quite sure. Not quite certain. But, but, God is firm. God is the Amen. My prayer is the Amen because I know that I prayed according to his will, even though I'm not sure that I want it all, even though I'm not sure that probably I don't want something else. God is firm, but prayer is firm. He was surely here, much more surely than I feel in my heart that I desire such things of him. Beloved, that's the prayer. That's the doxology. That's the Amen. The Amen of the prayer. The Amen of our lives. The Amen which we can take. God give us grace to do it. Which we can take on our lips when we are on our deathbed and say Amen forever. God grant us grace to do so. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.